Well, I just wanted to say something about Dana for a moment. Her certain message you gave earlier was so good, the early service. But what I want to do is I want to just talk about your mom and dad for a minute. This is Hal and Debbie Perkins. Stand up for just a second, please, and just turn around and give a wave. Turn around. I've known these guys for 25-plus years now, and you guys have raised four children. They're all adults, late 30s, early 40s, all of them serving the Lord, all your grandchildren. How many? You got 16? No, I'm put giving Dan two more. I've been doing it for years now. I've been thinking. Well, it's really four things, four kids, four each, but the last one only has two, but I keep saying he has four. So they're all walking with the Lord, and what a gift to the body of Christ your children are, your grandchildren. They're touching the other young kids in our community and other places as well, and what a blessing. Tell me a little bit about your mom and dad. I'm just, I told myself, I saw your parents out there. I have to go out there. I said, Dana, I'm going to use you to brag on you really just to get to them. Because we all know Dana. <laughs> they love Jesus. And uh, I mean, I always talk about the tears that my dad has over Jesus daily. And now, then he, he's a Holy Spirit mush bucket, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. <laughs> and the joy that my mom has daily. They, they love Jesus with all their hearts. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. <laughs> well, good morning. I love Christians playing. It makes me happy. That's, that's the emotion I was having. I wasn't getting quite as jerked around as Mike was. Um, let me just pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you. Lord, we thank you for the joy. We thank you for the joy of coming together, Lord, as your body, as your bride, Lord, coming together in the fellowship of loving you and knowing you. Lord, we ask for your heart this morning. We ask that you would draw us by your spirit. We ask that you would mark us by your word. Lord, we ask that you would do, have your way and do what's in your heart to do with us today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your kindness, your good leadership. Lord, no one leads like you lead. We thank you for who you are and the beauty of who you are. We ask for even more today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I have titled this session, Branded with Loyal Love for Jesus. And where I'm headed is Song of Solomon 4.6. That's going to be our key passage. But I'm going to focus on two passages. I'm going to begin in Philippians 3. Because what's in my heart to do is to kind of bookend this year, this year that we've just come through, we're at the end of the year, and what a year. It's been a year. <laughs> I mean, the roller coaster of this year and the many things, uh, globally, nationally, personally, in this spiritual family, there's been so many things. But as I was reflecting and just praying and asking the Lord about his heart for us as a people, I was remembering how this year opened with a specific message that Mike gave in January of this year, and it was out of Philippians 3. So I'm going to read verses 8 to 14 just to begin. When Paul said, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. 
I count them, them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Not that I've already perfected or attained, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Speaking of the fullness of his destiny, Paul prayed this prayer. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. And when we began this year, Mike gave a sermon called Pressing for the Prize to Lay Hold of the Fullness of Our Destiny. And it was out of this passage. And he said, if, he, if I had to pick one verse that I would want to brand this spiritual family with in 2021, to brand with a hot iron in the positive sense, it would be Philippians 3.14, that as a community, we would press into the Lord. I foresee tremendous disturbances and upheaval. The enemy wants us to draw back and isolate ourselves and just wait out the storm. But the Lord would say, no, the only safe response is to press in. As individuals and as corporate ministries, we need to rise up and press in for everything God has promised us and that he's ordained for us in this life. And then he said, Lord, give us the optimum environment for the church to be restored and to shake off this Laodicean spirit because we are the darling of your heart. The body of Christ is in the earth. He's coming after our hearts. And incidentally, you can access these notes online and through the QR code. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. But Mike opened up this year with Philippians 3 and this, this prayer and this call that we would press, that we would press on, that we would lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of us. That fullness, the fullness of our destiny. What is the dream in Jesus's heart for me, for you? What does he desire to do in fullness? And that we would not be content with any gaps between where we are currently and that full destiny that he has for us. And so I remember when Mike gave this message, I remember going, okay, okay, okay. That's not an easy passage, okay. You know, it's in the middle of a pandemic and then not too much later, a few weeks later, in the middle of a 40-day fast, let's press. You know, but then if you look at Paul, He's in the middle of a prison at the end of his life, and he's talking about pressing for the prize. So we're in good company to press in the midst of being hard-pressed like a pressure cooker. The Lord says, press. It's not time to draw back. And so if I were to bookend this year, I would begin with that call and prayer for that press, even when everything in us and all the circumstances around us would make us want to draw back, to grow weary, to give up, or just coast. And the Lord says, no, press. Press on for the prize. Nobody wins the prize sitting on the sidelines. We have to keep pressing. And the Lord wants to give us that grace. I remember saying to Jonas, Jonas Park, because I prayer lead with Jonas, Jonas every week, and I remember saying, we gotta do Song of Solomon 4-6, because Song of Solomon 4-6 
is the parallel passage in the Song of Solomon to Philippians 3. And so that heart of Paul, that pressing forward. In Song of Solomon 4.6, that's when she says, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh, which myrrh is that burial spice. It speaks of that costly cross. When Jesus went to the mountain of myrrh and he invites us to take up our cross, come to the mountain of myrrh, denying ourselves, follow me. And so I said to Jonas, we gotta do this passage because we need our hearts tenderized. We need our hearts tenderized so that we can say yes to Jesus in this pressing forward. And we need the Lord to wash the heart of his people, the heart of his bride, with his heart and his desire and his delight that is the very source and strength behind that press. We love because he first loved. And so that any kind of zeal and pressing comes out of great love and having received his love for us. And so the second bookend where I'd put at the end of this year is Song of Solomon 4, 6. But really, the call is the same. I believe the Lord is inviting us to keep pressing forward for the prize of the upward call, that we would not be content to settle in or to draw back, but that if Jesus has not stopped his press and his intercession, for us that we would not draw back and that we would join his heart in that pressing. So the Song of Solomon, if you're new to the Song of Solomon, I encourage you, go on a lifelong journey. Discover the emotions of God in the Song of Solomon. Discover his passion, his delight, what he feels for his church. Discover the way that he leads us as his bride, as his church. He leads us by cherishing love, like Paul spoke of in Ephesians 5. And the Song of Solomon is the most compact, line upon line, condensed place in the, in the Word of God where we see that passion, that emotions of God, the delight of God, the ravished heart of God. It's all on display in the Song of Solomon. It'll mess you up. It'll wreck you in a very good way. We need to be wrecked by the heart of Jesus. But the Song of Solomon depicts a journey, and it's the journey of holy passion. And the passage that I'm getting to in 4 verse 6 is kind of the middle of the journey and the turning point of the book. And it's that part of the journey where the first four chapters focus on our inheritance in Jesus. But as the book shifts and as the, as the love matures, it becomes, I am yours. The heart of the bride, our heart becomes, I belong to you. Jesus, you've won me. My life is not my, my own and that's my joy. It's not just willed, it's delight. It's delightful givenness to God. And that's where the Lord leads us. And the rest of the book continues in that growing into that mature love. So I think of 4-6 as the point of no return. It's where we're never going back to a life of compromise because our heart has been too conquered with love and loyalty to Jesus. 
I believe that the Lord this year, surprisingly, maybe I, I just have too much unbelief. Like I, as I'm reflecting this week, I just went, wow. I think you really have done the very thing Mike prayed and, and charged us with. I think the Lord really got us into the room of pressing for the prize. Or to use Song of Solomon language of saying, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh. And, and so the Lord today, I believe, wants to refresh us and strengthen us with just seeing the beauty of his leadership. One of the aspects of the Lord's leadership, the beauty, or one of the aspects of the beauty of the Lord is his leadership. When David said in Psalm 27, 4, one thing I desire to gaze upon your beauty. One of the aspects of God's beauty is his leadership. It's how he leads us. It's the way that he cares with careful precision about every day of our lives. The way that he leans in with attentiveness. He pays attention to our words. He pays attention to our actions. And he governs our circumstances. And he shifts things. And he removes hindrances. And he helps us overcome places of resistance. He leads with careful Love, beautiful leadership. And part of my heart today is to remember, to remember the way the Lord has led us, even this year, and to capture that. Because when we capture that, we get out of the enemy's narrative about our lives, and we get into Jesus's narrative. And we begin to see, oh, Jesus, that was you and you were doing that, and you were helping me, and I didn't even see it, but you were giving me grace, and you were giving me strength, and even my little weak heart responded, and then you moved me forward, and how did you even do that? Lord, you know my, you know the enemies of, of great love more than I do, and you're so committed, and what it does is it tenderizes our hearts, and it causes gratitude to abound. We we see his beautiful leadership and we are grateful. But not only that, not only is it tender gratitude, but it causes a renewed resolve. We go, if you're that invested in my life, I'm invested. If you care that much, if you're not sitting on the sidelines just letting things play out, but rather constantly involved and constantly attentive, then I'm attentive and I'm giving myself and it for, forges a resolve in us to fully give ourselves to that perfect leader to say, I'm not gonna ease off if you're fully engaged. And so just to remember the way that he's led us. I encourage you, if that's new to you, become a student of 
God's leadership in your life. Become a student of his narrative and the way that he's leading your story. Take time to journal it and then reflect. It causes gratitude, it strengthens us, and it causes resolve. But in this spiritual family, I, I think of his perfect leadership and how it's equipped us in ways we need to remember. He's prepared us to arise with him and to enter the very best days of our lives. Walking in the joy and freedom and loyalty of wholehearted love and obedience to Jesus. The very best days of your lives are the days you're wholehearted in love and obedience. Because we were not made for half-heartedness. It kills us. It is such a conflicting way to live. To be half in. To be even 70% in. It's tormenting for the heart. The heart was made and fashioned by the creator himself to be wholehearted. All that I am, Jesus. Everything I am, heart, soul, mind, and strength. All that I do, all my thoughts, all my words, all my actions. It's yours. And I'm not saying in full maturity, but in full resolve, we're saying, Jesus, I want to be yours. I want to fully love and fully obey with all my heart. That's the place of liberty. That's the place of joy. And so when I think about where the Lord has brought us, even in this last year, he has brought us out of places of dullness, places we didn't even recognize. There was some compromise. There was lukewarmness. And he was so faithful and committed to getting us forward in him. And he's brought us to that place where we can say, like the bride in, in Song of Solomon 4, 6, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm in to go to the mountain of myrrh. I'm in with all my heart. That's beautiful. And that's miraculous. Only a good leader like Jesus, he's the only one that leads like he leads. And he's done a beautiful work in, in our lives, personally and together. So I wanna focus on two things depicted before we get to 4.6, before we get to Song of Solomon 4.6, as again, as I believe this is kind of the bookend, at the end of this year, I wanna focus on two things that we see in that progression of holy passion that, we, that the Lord depicts in his word in the Song of Solomon. Um, the two things that strengthen the bride for that wholehearted resolve that we find in 4.6. The first is divine beauty and cherishing love. The way the Lord reveals his beauty to our hearts. And then the way he leads us by cherishing. Again, that's from Ephesians 5. He nourishes and cherishes the church. He leads us by cherishing love. So the divine beauty of Jesus, the beauty of the Lord. We cannot underestimate the power of knowing Jesus' delight, of having confidence in that love. 
He invites us to take our place at the banqueting table and feast upon his beauty. And when I say beauty, the beauty of the Lord, I'm thinking of the beauty of Jesus' emotions, his thoughts, his nature, his character, his words, his leadership. It's all of the things that make Jesus, Jesus. There is no other like him. He's the fairest among 10,000. He's chief of them all. He is the beautiful one. He's the radiance of the Father's glory. He is the one that stands alone in beauty. And so we give ourselves to that beauty by taking the written word, turning it into prayer, those specific passages that highlight who he is, turning it into prayer, meditating on it. Then the Holy Spirit on the inside sets fire to it in our hearts. We grow in living understanding of the man Christ Jesus. That's like food to the heart. It's a banquet to the heart. It's a banqueting table. We talked a lot about the banqueting table when we talked about Revelation 3 for so long. There is a banquet that we are to feast upon. And as we do, we experience his delight. It is what causes us to joyfully overcome areas of sin and compromise and to mature in holiness with highest joy. It really is what strengthens us to grow in mature love and to be strengthened in full abandonment. It's not actually optional, the beauty of the Lord. You know, we live in a particularly a potent place. <laughs> Alliteration, I love it. A particularly potent place <laughs> um, here in this spiritual family. When you talk about the beauty of the Lord, that's actually something very familiar. Uh, the beauty of Jesus, the emotions of God, the song of Solomon, the first commandment, the way God feels for his people. I can't, I can't even fathom from heaven's perspective what this soil looks like to God in its richness and abundance from countless messages. And then on top of that, countless songs arising from that little prayer room down the road. Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, the way you lead is beautiful. Jesus, who you are, you are chief among 10,000. You are fairer than the sons of men. I mean the beauty of the Lord that gets sung 24-7. That's this soil of this spiritual family. It's rich, but there's a, there, there's a, a deception that can come where you can kind of think you're doing it and you get it because of the corporate revelation. Well, it's just like Matthew 25 and you actually have to get the oil yourself. No one can get it for you. No one can sit at the banqueting table and feast on the beauty of Jesus for you. And it's not optional. It's not optional. We 
are sustained by the beauty of the Lord, it will be the stability of our times in the days to come. It is the very thing that stabilizes. It's the very thing that equips us when we get hit by the greatest levels of pain, of betrayal, of offense, of all the things that happen, the beauty of the Lord will sustain us. But we each have to go our way, sit at that banqueting table and actually feast. We each have to take the word of God, turn it into prayer, meditate upon it day and night until our hearts become alive with it. And the Lord is faithful to do his part as we do our part. And then the cherishing love of Jesus, specifically in the progression of Song of Solomon, right before we get to 4-6, we have 4, 1 to 5, and I won't go into detail on that. But the key idea is in that passage right before she says, I will go my way, I will arise. Jesus describes the beauty of the bride, and he calls out specific attributes that move his heart. Have you heard the Lord say to you, the way you meditate on my word, it moves my heart. The way you've set your will to choose me, even when it's hard, even when there's kickback, even when you bear a stigma, you keep setting your will to come after me, to follow me, to love me. Do you know? how you move my heart. And the, there's these eight descriptions that the Lord gives about emotions and our will and our consecration to him and the way that we nurture others. We have to hear, personally hear the Lord speak to us like that. It strengthens us. It strengthens us for four, six. It strengthens us for the next phase of the journey, which is that all-in givenness. We can't actually get to 4-6 without it. We need that cherishing love of Jesus to fortify us. And we need to, be, we need to actually receive it in order for that to happen. And what do I mean by receive it, like actually receive it? Well, we have a lot of unbelief that the Lord would feel that way for us. And we might believe it, in the corporate sense, but not when it comes to me personally. And so we have to be willing to say, God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. That's okay. Wrestle it out. Wrestle it out with the Lord until he convinces you, until you can enter into the truths of his cherishing love and say, you feel this way for me, but I'm a mess but you see my willing spirit to be yours and you love me and you delight in me, I believe you. I receive it. And that's when it powerfully transforms us and gives us the strength to move forward. The second thing I want to focus on in that, spirit, in that progression of holy passion is divine discipline. Divine discipline. In Song of Solomon 3, verses 1 to 5, there's this part of the song where she's disciplined because the Lord invites her to arise. She turns him away because she's afraid. We can all identify. 
the Lord's saying, arise, it's time to leap upon the mountains with me. The mountains, the, all the things that we're afraid of, Jesus is not afraid of. And everything that's difficult to us is not difficult to him. And he is king of the nations, lord of the nations. He wants us partnering with him. And so there are times when he comes and says, it's time to arise. And in this part of the song, she turns him away. She compromises because of fear. What we don't readily realize is that we need the Lord's discipline to get to the finish line. That pressing for the prize that Paul spoke of. That I will arise to the mountain of myrrh and, and then where that goes for the next four chapters of the Song of Solomon into mature love. We need the Lord's discipline. And it's, it's not foreign to the word of God. The discipline of God is received by those that are wise, that understand, oh, this is not your rejection. This is your love. This is because I am a son. I am a daughter. And what son is there that you don't discipline? Hebrews 12, right? And nobody likes discipline. Nobody readily signs up except for when we see the fruit that it yields. That peaceable fruit of righteousness. We go, okay, I'm in. I'm in. And so that's what happens in the Song of Solomon. Not only is it the, the delight, the beauty of the Lord and the cherishing love, but it's also the discipline of the Lord that prepares her and readies her for that full givenness to God. Taking this aspect of the Lord's leadership to heart as we consider this last year, who could have anticipated the 40-day fast, you know, that we would spend week after week after week after week on the Laodicean spirit and just focusing on, I'm lukewarm. Oh God, I'm lukewarm. I mean, that, it, that was, in a sense, a discipline of the Lord that we came under by his grace. And there was grace. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a corporate encounter with the Lord's loving discipline. And then a corporate tender responsiveness. It moved my heart so many times to watch my friends, to hear testimonies. This spiritual family, not just here locally, but all across the world, saying, Jesus, cut out lukewarmness from my heart. I don't want it. It was genuine and it was it was uh, filled with the fear of the Lord. There was a genuine fear of the Lord, a trembling. It wasn't just, hey, if I'm lukewarm, God, get rid of it in my life. No, no, no. It was, God, I am. I am. I, I thought I was rich, but I'm, but I'm poor. I need you. That was remarkable. And it, it makes me... Again, grateful, and it makes me tremble. I go, thank you, God, and wow, you're invested. Wow, let's respond. And I, I believe the Lord has brought us. He really has. He really pushed us forward, 
We responded by his grace. We've taken ground. And I, I believe that the call at the end of the year is let's never go back. Let's never go back. Let's never go back to lukewarm love, even a little bit of it. Let's never go back to being indifferent. Let's never go back to being indifferent from one another. That was another aspect that the Lord highlighted. He, he's saying, you have need of one another. Let your eyes be open not only to my beauty, but the beauty in one another. Look around. You need one another in the body. Don't be indifferent. Don't think of yourself as self-sufficient. Look to me and see where I am going to meet you, even through your brother and through your sister. So the Lord's giving us this invitation to loyal love and holy resolve. She says in Song of Solomon 3, 4, I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go. And this is right before 4, 6, but it's also right after that compromise. Right after she turned him away, the Lord disciplines and then she arises because she has to have him. And I love this phrase. I would not let him go. And that's the phrase the Lord wants to put in our hearts. Not just today, but for the rest of our days. I'm not going back. I won't let him go. I'm only moving forward by the grace of God. Forward into full givenness, full love, full laying down my life. Whatever it is that he laid hold of me for, I'm in. And I'm not relenting until he has his full way. And I'm gonna mourn over the gap that I see between where I'm actually living and what he has for me. I'm gonna fast out of a lovesick desire. I'm gonna lay down my life for my brother. I'm in. And that's the mountain of myrrh. That's the saying yes. So this, it's this unquenchable resolution to do the will of God. How does a God take the human heart, preserve the free will, like fully, and then get that heart to eventually say, not my will, your will. I choose your will. That's the beauty of his leadership. He'll take a lifetime to do it and he won't relent. He is so committed to getting us to that place. And that's that place Paul got into. And by the time Paul got there, he's saying, are you kidding me? For the excellence of knowing him, would you quit talking about all the lists of what I've given up? There are no lists. I gave up nothing. Have you seen him? Do you know him? For the excellence of knowing him. That's what my life's about. He's so beautiful. He's so potent. There's no one like him. There is nothing that I would consider as worthy of bringing to the table of some sacrifice I gave up. That's the heart, that bondservant, loyal heart God wants to bring us into. And here's the good news. He's doing it. He's doing it. We have to keep pressing and arising and not drawing back. We have to keep drinking of the beauty of the Lord. We have to keep hearing 
his words over us in his cherishing love. We respond to him when we feel his discipline in those seasons of divine discipline. We say, yes, have your way. That's what the Lord's after. This fearless commitment and obedient love. So the bride arises. Again, the mountain of myrrh represents that costly burial spice. It speaks of Jesus' death, and it speaks of our death, dying to self, taking up our cross and following. It speaks of the way that we yield to the Lord all through the day. You know, ultimately, there really might be some of us that lay down our lives. We always think of martyrdom as that ultimate place of giving our lives. But today, there is the martyrdom in the moment to moment, I give you everything. Again, my thoughts, my words, my time, my attitudes, my opinions, our constant opinions about one another. We die to them. We go, I am done with what I think. Who cares? It's rubbish, actually. I want what you think over my brother. I want what you think over my sister. I want your narrative. That same cherishing love that, that washed me and that delights in me even though I know how weak I am. I wanna feel that love for my brother, for my sister, for the world. I want that love to pierce and penetrate my heart for that to be my opinion of others. So that denying of ourselves, we put the myrrh to our lips so that we don't speak the words of slander, of complaint. We're, we're going our way to the mountain of myrrh. So our love for Jesus gives rise to obedience and we express our love for him through that full obedience. There's no such thing as loving God without this spirit of obedience. The setting of our hearts to fully obey him. The Lord wants us to resist the peril of not progressing in, and to kind of embrace spiritual stagnancy. And that's what Song of Solomon 4.6 represents. It's that heart that is saying, we're moving forward. I'm not going to fall back into spiritual stagnancy. Again, I'm not going back to lukewarmness, God. By the grace of God, don't let me go back. I want to never let you go and to keep ascending that mountain with you. The, the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of suffering, to know you. I'm with you. I want to be with you where you are. And this, again, is where all the joy is found. This is where, in full love and full obedience, that's when the human heart begins to operate as it was fashioned to. When there's no more conflict, no more internal strife in our members because we're not loving the world and loving Jesus. We don't have that tearing and that conflictedness of two loves. We have one love. We love him with all our heart. We obey him out of full love. And in that place, our capacity is so wide. Our capacity for the deepest pleasure the human spirit can know. The 
interior fellowship with the Trinitarian God on the inside. The pouring out of the love of Christ into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Godhead, we get to know. And when we're operating in full love and full obedience, we have capacity to know it and experience it at the highest levels. So going our way to the mountain of myrrh is heard on the flesh, but the spirit soars because we're living how we were made to live. We're living with full yieldedness to the most beautiful leader. And we're saying, I love you. I wanna be loyal to you. It's actually my joy to do your will. I delight to do your will. Like Jesus said, I, it's, it's, it's my delight to do your will, Father. I love that passage in, in Psalm 40. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will. And the Lord causes our hearts to come into that place where we actually have delight in doing his will. This is right after that passage is, is what I would call the whole title, you could title the whole Song of Solomon out of 4.9, you've ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. When she's in that place of full love, full obedience, it's like the Lord Jesus' heart explodes. We love because he first loved. It begins with him. But then, when we love him back as the redeemed, as the inheritance, as I love the, the language of the Song of Solomon, as that rose that we are to him, that beautiful rose that the father desired to give to the son, your inheritance. When we as the bride respond to his love with love, the heart of Jesus is so moved with delight and enjoyment. And then our hearts are so moved that he's moved. We're going, are you kidding me? That was so weak and you're God and you created all things and you're that moved by my little life and my little heart. Well, then I want to love you more. And it just is this reciprocal, beautiful, we love and then he's so moved and then we're so moved and then he's so moved. And that's what the Lord's inviting us into. That's the holy romance of the gospel. And, and, and by the end of it, we're joining Paul going, are you kidding me? Don't talk about any sacrifice. There is no such thing. I love him. I've received his love. I love him back. There is no one more beautiful. And that's where the Lord wants to take us. Again, it is, it is the best days of our lives. The, the antidote for love growing cold, like Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of in Matthew 24, is Trinitarian love, entering the everlasting burnings of fellowship and joy. That's where the Lord wants to take us. And that's where our hearts get set with resolution, with resolve. Like Paul saying, I press forward. Like the bride in Song of Solomon, I will go my way. And that capacity is enlarged and we enter into the joy made full. The fellowship of Trinitarian love. Not only that, we enter into the joy 
that miracle we've been talking about so much, the John 17 miracle of being one with one another as God himself is one. That is miraculous, right? But we enter into the joy of that beautiful unity as we lay down our lives, as we're so caught up in this fellowship and joy that we say, yes, I want to lay down my life for my friends. That's the joy that the Lord wants to bring us into. The worship team can come on up. So I, I, again, as I reflect upon this year, I feel the Lord is bookending the end of the year with how he began us at the beginning. And he's saying, it's my heart that you would continue to keep pressing. And I am taking you to places in me that you haven't even dreamed of because we can't possibly imagine the joy that we get to enter into. And he's taking us into the beautiful maturity of loving one another with that kind of self-forgetfulness, that kind of humility that Jesus himself embodies. He's taking us into that John 17 unity. All of those things are ahead and he's going, it's actually real. It's real, I'm doing this. Now, partner with me by rising up, by not shrinking back and by saying yes with all your heart again. And again, we need the beauty of the Lord. We need to sit at the banqueting table. We need to receive the cherishing love. And that was, a, that was a specific thing I felt for us. Even as I was preparing this, I just had that pause. And I just thought about 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. No matter, no, no, no matter how you look at the story, the decades that the Lord has sown into related to the beauty of the Lord in this house. And I felt the Lord, I felt that trembling of, oh God, what would you bring out of a soil like that? What would be in your heart to produce in the human heart that sits in that soil? Whether you've been here a few months or 30 years, there is something God is after in this people. And if I were to take that passage in Philippians 3 corporately, what did he lay hold of us for? We want to lay hold of that for which he laid hold of us. We want to take it very seriously. He's very invested. And how can we be distant? And how can we be dull? And how can we not be invested if he's so invested? And I believe the Lord just wants us to arise again and say, I'm in again. I'm giving you my full yes. God, I want no resistance and no lukewarmness, no half-heartedness. I want to say yes all the way. I want to hold you fast and never let you go. Let's all stand together. Holy Spirit, here we are. Lord, we say thank you 
Thank you. We just set our eyes right now upon the throne. We set our gaze right now upon you, Jesus, shepherd of our souls. You are the good and perfect leader. But the way that you lead, we say we love it. We say thank you. Thank you that you're so invested. Thank you that you're so careful to lead with precision, to never sit back and just let things unfold, but rather you're always engaged. Your eyes are always upon us. You're always drawing us. You're always calling to us. Lord, we wanna respond. We wanna respond to your good leadership. We wanna partner with it. We wanna say what Paul said. Lord, it's in our hearts. You have done a work in our hearts and it's in our hearts to say yes. To say yes. Oh, that you would cause that pressing in us to press for the prize, for the full destiny, for all that you laid hold of us for. Lord, all that's in your heart and not less, nothing less. We want to say yes. We want to drink of your beauty. We want to be students of your leadership. We want to sit at the banqueting table and actually feast. We want to say yes to you with all our hearts, to go our way to the mountain of myrrh. This is our heart, oh God. Have your way in us. I know the seasons are changing, but you never do arise to whatever you
want to give you our full yes. We want to be all in. Remember. 